0: Come on. Good morning again, church. Morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not above begging. Um, glad to see you all here today. Um, we have a, a lot of fun things happening today. In, in just a few moments, I'm going, to invite, um, I'm going to invite some fellows from Global Disciples here, and they're going to share. But before that, I'm going to dismiss children to Children's Church. But before that, we're going to have a baby dedication this morning. So I'm going to invite Colton and Stephanie King and Josie and Corbin to come forward. Um, as they're making their way, just uh, for those of you who may be newer with us or, or not familiar with what we do, um, some churches and some traditions baptize infants. We do not. Uh, we believe that baptism is a response. When a person responds to Jesus and they say, Jesus, I believe in you, that's when we baptize. We, we understand that um, from the New Testament, the way we read Scripture and the way that Jesus did it. But... One of the things that we do is when we have children in our church, we invite the families to come forward and we dedicate them to the Lord. And basically what we're saying is, as a family, Colton and Stephanie, mom and dad, you are going to do all that you can do to raise Josie in such a way that she learns about Jesus, hears about Jesus, and sees Christianity modeled in you. And not only are Colton and Stephanie making that commitment, but we are making that commitment as a church to say that as Josie grows up here, just like we did when we dedicated Corbin, we're going to say we're doing everything we can do as a church so that as she grows, she hears about Jesus, sees the love of God acted out in our lives, and so that when she's old enough to kind of comprehend a bit of what Jesus is doing, she's in a place to respond, and then hopefully there'll be a baptism, and we'll celebrate that someday. And parents, I will warn you, it will come quicker than you think. But today we're here. And I want to welcome you here, and I'm excited that you're here. I have uh, a couple of questions for you, just so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page, okay? And so, Colton and Stephanie, you have been blessed to share in God's creative power. Will you pledge to support and love Josie by guiding her to grow up in the family of faith with the hope that she will someday become a devoted follower of Christ? Colton and Stephanie, if so, say we will. We will. All right. And will you, to the best of your ability and with God's help, provide a loving family environment where Josie can grow in love, loyalty, and obedience to God? All right. Now, Corbin, I have a question for you. Will you tell Josie about Jesus? And will you keep showing her love as a big brother? You can say yes if you want to or give me a nod. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. Congregation? Will you promise to be examples of God's love to the King family? And will you offer yourselves as one more place where they can go with their joys and challenges and their questions? Congregation, will you do that? If so, say, we will. will. And congregation, will you promise to share in their Christian nurture by providing a warm and welcoming church where Josie can grow in God's love? And will you add to her Christian education and spiritual guidance that she receives at home as you fulfill your special calling as the body of Christ? Will you continue to pray for the kings and especially for Josie? And will you support them as a family? Congregation, say, we will. Okay. Josie. Josie. Can, can I hold you for a second? I want... Here. I'll, we'll be right... Oh! But look...
1: Right? Okay. That's all right.
0: You're okay. You know what? you okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're praying for you. <laughs> here, here, stand beside me, Colton. Right there, you're good. Here. you okay. you okay. Today, Josie, we're praying for you, and we everybody here is saying that they're going to love you, even when you cry, <laughs> even when it's scary. Congregation, this is Josie King. And some of you, if you were standing up here, would be crying just like her. <laughs> congregation, congregation, this is Josie King. And you've promised to support her father and her mother and her brother as they support her and raise her in a Christian home. Congregation, there are some of you here who are related to her. There are some of you who are here today only because you are related to her. And you're showing your love. And all of us together are showing our love to you. And so, Josie, we're going to pray for you. And we're going to love you. And we're going to tell you about Jesus. And we're going to try not to make you cry too much. <laughs> okay? Hey, guys, can we, as a whole family, do you think we could pray together? Would that be all right? Corbin, you can pray with us too. Congregation, can we pray? Lord I thank you for Josie King I thank you for her heart I thank you for her family and I thank you that so many people love her here in this room today Lord we give her to you Lord you have blessed Colton and Stephanie with the ability to be her parents you have blessed us with the ability to be her church and, and we're going to teach her in Sunday school and we're going to teach her as she, as she comes to worship services and we're going to love her with all that we've got but Lord we give her to you she is yours And Lord, we pray that one day, Josie will make a commitment to you, give her life to you, so that we can celebrate you together with her. So Lord, we give you all of this, and thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Josie, thank you for coming up. Corbin, thanks for coming up today and for being a good big brother. And Colton and Stephanie, thank you for being here today. Hang on one second. It is scary up here sometimes. <laughs> now think about it. Think about it. It's, it's always interesting. It's always interesting when we do child dedications because you, you never know, right? And for a while, I had a magic touch. There were some years that went and there was, there was, no, there was no crying. But, but congregation, here's what we promised just a little bit ago. I think you'll remember this. We promised to say that we will be here for the whole King family, as they walk with Jesus. Sometimes that's happy and fun and easy. Sometimes it's just, hey, we're having a great time together and we move forward. Sometimes it's not as easy, right? Sometimes there is pain. Sometimes there is hurt. But what did we say we're going to do? We are going to be together as a congregation to support whoever needs whatever, it's kind of fun to be the church together, isn't it? Congregation, thank you for being part of this dedication this morning. Now, I'd like to uh, dismiss the children to children's church. We have some older kids, kids who are four years old up to first grade. We've got children's church for them today. And so uh, I see a couple of monkeys in the back who are ready to, uh, who are, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Steve, that's you. I see one monkey and a Pastor Steve in the back. And so I think you guys are going to get to talk to Squeaky today. Yeah, yeah. What, not, uh, not, not yet. Not, not yet. Not, not yet. Yeah. Not, here. Look at this monkey for just a second. Yeah, monkey. Thank you. You're very, very con- kind. He's a monkey. Well, I know. I know. But... <laughs> He's the only monkey. He might be. Hey, come on down, guys. He's the only. Well, hey, today we have Children's Church and Pastor Steve. And and do you guys see in the back there? Do you see Pastor Steve? And do you see his friend Squeaky? Pastor Steve and Squeaky are going to talk with you guys. And I'm not going to keep you here any longer than I need to because I think you're excited. But before you go, do you know what we always do? We always pray, right? I like to put my hands together like this. I usually bow my head and close my eyes. That helps me. Yeah, that helps me think about Jesus, right? Dear Jesus, I thank you for these boys and girls, and I thank you that they're excited to be here. Lord, bless them as they go to children's church. I pray that they would learn from you, and I pray that they would learn to love you. And Lord, I pray that they would experience your love in such a way that they all commit their lives to you. This is our deep prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Boys and girls, can you say amen? Amen. All right. Now, why don't you go meet Squeaky? Squeaky. (laughs) <laughs> I like to think that I'm good at what I do, but I cannot compete with a squeaking monkey. <laughs> just. So instead of me just launching off into a sermon, I'm going to have a little little buffer zone. <laughs>
1: uh, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, for your partnership with Global Disciples because um, your role, your prayer, uh, whatever you do uh, into the mission impacts uh, the reality we are uh, doing on the ground. As Galen mentioned, uh, in Africa, we are uh, involved into more than uh, 40 countries right now, and uh, we are pushing to all the corners uh, focusing on least never know Jesus in their lifetime or never heard about Jesus. Um, I traveled to many parts of Africa. The more you go deeper to the villages and borders and north parts and east or southern part of the countries, you may be surprised that there are people who never heard about the name of Jesus, and far away from everything, every life situation. God raised global disciples. Time like this to push the churches, partnering with the churches who are going to those unreached places where no one has a testimony about Jesus. So in these 1,000, about 1,200 programs in these uh, countries, our passion, our focus, our cry is to move to those areas where there is no church at all. We have seen tremendous movement of God. I'm just moved by your songs, the devotional reading this morning. Um, Jesus gave us that call to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, anointed and go to the whole world and that's exactly happening. We thank God. Our God never changed. Jesus still healing, delivering, transforming lives. People who never know Jesus is coming to Jesus, the light of heaven and joining the community of the kingdom of God. As Jesus said in Acts chapter one, talked about his kingdom. God's kingdom is right now winning souls in a mighty way. I cannot tell you the whole story from all 40 countries, but I just want to share a few things how God is doing, changing lives. Sometimes we, it's just beyond our imagination what God is doing. Miracles happens. The book of Acts is practically happening. Um, Just last year, you can see what God has done in some villages, in some countries. In one of the areas, we call it Deep in the equatorial, equatorial uh, areas, uh, in Congo, our church planters went to share the gospel. When they went to this village, there is a lady called Elima, Elima, married and about to have a baby. But um, in African culture, sometimes when wedding happens, all the family members have to get some gift from a person who marries her daughter. So this uncle was very mad because he didn't get anything. So he made spell on her, curse on her. And before she got a baby, she became mad, she became out of mind. So she gave birth to a baby, but she doesn't know how to handle the baby because she's almost lost her mind. So this poor husband struggling with his uh, newly born baby and wife, Elima. Um, God used our church planters. They reached that village when they share about the goodness of Jesus Christ, the power of the name of Jesus. This guy said, come, please come and help me because I have a wife who is out of mind. Would you pray for her? And they, they come, and they, they saw, and they asked some question, what happened, what do you guess? And they, they sense there is a curse, there is a spell on this lady. And they told the name of the person, and it's uh, not very far. And they, they say, let's go first there, share the gospel with him, and come back. They went there, they shared with him, and because they came with the power of the name of Jesus, this man surrendered to Jesus and he confessed a sin that he made a spell on her, and so they come together to this family, and um, so they prayed for Elima. They cast demon from Elima by the name of Jesus, and Elima totally transformed back to mind. The demon ran out of her, and they brought this family together. As a result of that, seventy-three people came to the Lord, and the church planted in Elima's village. Jesus won the souls in that village just because that power that name of Jesus is against all the power that works in that village this is like um, you know if you look in mark chapter 5 you know Jesus go to somebody who was chained for so many times and Jesus delivered that man that's happening around the same village another thing happened what happened was um, you know, where there is no churches, where there is no believers, the witch doctors, the witchcrafts are working like a crazy. Um, I'm not sure if you are experiencing that here, but in Africa it is everywhere. Um, and so, this witch doctor spell on our church planters. Sometimes <laughs> our church planters are also under a lot of warfare. So these church planters went to the village where this, uh, this um, man uh, is uh, almost a very prominent. And uh, so he spell on them. Imagine, <laughs> he spell on them. Um, so there are a lot of resistance in the town, in, I mean in the village. What happened was one of the church planters became sick. So like he is one of his... Um, the other side was very painful. he cannot move, so they uh, just back to their place and start praying in the name of Jesus against whatever work is here. And then that uh, arrow or that pain has gone, but they know, who sent this arrow? We have to pray, and we have to bring that man. So they start praying and, um, and they found out there is a witch doctor in that place. And they went step into his, his, his home and, and, and uh, share a gospel with him. And this man surrendered his life to Jesus. When he surrendered all the area who knows that this is a powerful man, about 23 people immediately gave their life to Jesus. The church planted. God is mightily moving, honoring, glorifying the name of the Lord and delivering and bringing families together. Transformation, healing happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's not only the witch doctors or witchcraft, uh, but also miracles happens. lot of miracles. Like um, one miracle um, happened uh, just in um, September twenty uh, twenty. 2020, um, our church pastor in Nigeria went to preach the gospel into the village. And they found out there is a man who was very sick for uh, so many, uh, so many time. And so they preached the gospel. And so people helped, uh, I mean, asked for help, for prayer for this man. And they prayed for him. Um, His leg was swollen uh, for a couple of years and he cannot move. It's because of diabetic, uh, and, and so he's just swollen and a lot of wound on his leg, and so he cannot hardly move. The moment they lay their hand on him and prayed in the name of Jesus, this person healed, and uh, he joined the church, which is uh, they planted newly. And what happened was when they come to visit him within like uh, two weeks, another shocking story happened. And lady ran to them to meet them, because she knew, already miracle happened in that home, and the people who are coming to visit is calling the name of Jesus, and Jesus healed that person, because this lady uh, came, and they asked, uh, "How can we pray for you?" She said, "My child is died. I know the name of Jesus can raise." I know you have done already this. So these church planters went to his her to her home, just like uh, you know in the book of Acts, you know. So they went home and they prayed over this small baby, and God's power raised the dead, and that baby woke up. And then the whole village came to the Lord and church planted in that place god is moving in a very unique way and his power is bringing a lot of people to the church and the church is growing where there is no church there is no one who knows jesus in that place just because these church planters trained through global disciples and send to places where there is no church And God is doing unbelievable, amazing thing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's not only miracles, but, um, you know, there are um, a lot of worship going on uh, in Africa. There are people who worship a lot of things. Uh, This has happened in Ethiopia. So this planter went to a village where he discerned in the spirit There is a worship here, which is not God, but this family worship a snake. Imagine there are not many people who worship God. There are many people who have different worship. So he, God gave him a word. I know God spoke to me. You are worshiping snake. And God sent me here. This snake will die today. <laughs> Few hours later the snake came out to a road that is in front of their house and the car that is passing by killed the snake. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not that that's not an ordinary snake but it is <laughs> it is a snake that is really ruining the life of those people. Then what happened? The family immediately surrendered to God and the church planted in that place. God is moving mightily. Thank you for your partnership with Global Disciples. Continue praying for church planters and um, part of this machine. May God bless you. Thank you so much.
0: One of the things that I love um, hearing from Bekele and, and also from everyone I hear from at Global Disciples is that not only do amazing things happen, I mean, we heard of, we heard of a, a woman who was delivered back to sanity after, after curses put upon her when she was having her child. We heard of, um, we heard of a, a fellow whose diabetic leg was healed. Uh, we heard of another person with the pain in the side being delivered. Um, Not only do those amazing things happen, but I don't know if you were able to catch it. After those amazing things happen, people celebrate Jesus and churches are planted in these villages where there was no experience of Jesus before. Now, when God moves in amazing ways, when miracles happen, praise God, that's great stuff. But when God moves in amazing ways and miracles happen, and then a whole village sees it, hears about it, and gives their lives to Jesus Christ— Praise God. And that's the kind of thing, Bekele, thank you for telling us about what's happening in Africa. Galen, thank you for helping to tell us about what's happening around the world. These are the kind of stories that I hear from every Global Disciples representative, and I'm so thankful that we get to work along with you to help train folks to go out and do that work. Amen, church? All right. but we've got a lot of things going on today. It's been a good morning. We haven't even looked at our scripture yet. We're looking at Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5 today, and I'm not even sure how far we're going to get in that because I need to give you some introduction. Now, we've been talking and speak. I've been speaking through Revelation for the last couple of weeks, but it's been pretty easy so far, I'll be honest with you. Revelation chapter 1 and 2 and 3 are the simple parts. They're the parts of Revelation where Quite frankly, you can just kind of read it and you see what Jesus says to these churches and there's not a lot of controversy there. There's not a lot of different ideas about what it all means. It's pretty straightforward. Starting in Revelation chapter 4, the book gets more complex. Now, these next few chapters begin to get occasionally difficult to understand. And when things are difficult to understand, people can end up with different conclusions. That's all well and good when we're arguing about green tractors or red tractors or orange tractors, or whether it's better to ride a Harley or a Honda, or whether we want to eat mom's cooking or go out to a restaurant. Those are all things that we have our preferences about, and we can argue about it, and it's fine and frankly doesn't make much difference in life. But differences in understanding about what is going to happen with our future and exactly how God is going to work things out, these things are harder for some people to hold lightly we begin to hold tightly to some of our ideas about the future, about prophecy, and about what Revelation and Ezekiel and Daniel and all the others say. We begin to hold tightly to these things sometimes because this is our faith, right? This is our hope. This really matters. This is what Jesus is going to be doing in our world. This is the Bible. Well, it's at this point in Revelation, as we get into Revelation 4 and 5 and really the next 15 chapters, it's at this point that some people begin to insist that their interpretation is the only interpretation. That their understanding is the only faithful understanding. And when we get that attitude about ideas of the future, about exactly how God is going to do things, we are in dangerous waters. I'm not going to talk about Revelation in that way over the next couple of weeks, to say here is the only way to understand Revelation 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and so on. I will attempt to explain some of the theories and ideas. I will explain the differences between those ideas. I will try to show where those ideas come from, because many come from other parts of Scripture. This, bl- this group believes this idea about Revelation because they think the key is in the book of Daniel. And if you understand the weeks in Daniel, then you can understand Revelation. But this group over here, they believe their perspective about the book of Revelation because they think the key for figuring out the details comes from the book of Matthew and Jesus' teaching there. And, And if we look at that properly, then we can understand this differently. This group thinks they found the key to figuring it all out in Isaiah. Isaiah gives us the key. This group says to ignore these conclusions because it all started with Israel in 1948. Be careful, church. We are going to be careful. We're not going to sidestep anything. We're not, I'm not going to try to be wishy-washy or inconclusive. But let us acknowledge that there is great mystery in what is written in Revelation. There are things we can know, but there are some things that we do not know. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires now that's not in the book of revelation that's that's written by peter do you remember peter the fisherman the disciple he knew john who also was a fisherman and disciple john who wrote revelation he and peter worked together for years Peter had some interesting things to say, true to form, in his second letter to the church scattered around the world. In 2 Peter 3, Peter wrote this. He said, these scoffers, scoffers, they're people who speak with mockery and contempt. People who speak with scorn. These scoffers, Peter says, they will say, where is this coming, Jesus promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. In other words, there are these people that are walking around, where's Jesus? Is he really coming back? We've been hearing about this for years. But Peter says those people deliberately, not accidentally, not because they just don't get it, they deliberately forget that God created the world and that God is in control. So Peter says, friends, do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In other words, God's sense of time is different than ours. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Here's what Peter says, Peter says, he says, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Peter says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? Since this is our future, since this is what's going to be happening, what should we do, church? He says this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. In other words, this is going to happen. There is going to be a fiery end to all things here on earth. But since we follow Jesus, we should look forward to this and speed its coming because this is what must happen. It says, in keeping with his promise, that is God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the point of all this. This is what Revelation is pointing us toward. This is what Peter is reminding those people about even 2,000 years ago. He says, look, tough things are going to happen. This world is going to change, it's going to burn up, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Peter doesn't go into a lot of detail about exactly what that looks like, but he says, church, as you wait for that, look forward to that. It says in verse 14 of Second Peter 3, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with God, walk with the Lord. And bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote with you with the wisdom that God gave him. And then here's what Peter said about Paul. And I can't tell you how many times this passage has come to my mind, even as I read Revelation written by John. Peter says this about Paul. He says in 2 Peter 3.16, Paul writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in his letters of these matters of Jesus. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they, do the other, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. In other words, Peter says, some of the stuff that Paul wrote, church, you're reading that. And some of it's hard to understand. Have any of you ever read maybe Ephesians or Romans, Colossians, Galatians, maybe something from Timothy or Titus? Have any of you ever read something in there and thought, ah, what what is Paul talking about? Have you ever read that? I have. I like to think that I can kind of figure things out. I've I've studied a bit. But there are some things that are hard to understand. Peter says, yeah, that's Paul. it's, It's the fisherman talking about the professor. He says, that's... That's how Paul is. He writes that way. But not only that, there are people who are ignorant and unstable and they distort all that to make it say what they want it to say and not just the letters of Paul. But Peter says other scriptures too. People twist it around. And I think we can see that this happens with all kinds of scriptures in the Bible. I believe it happens especially with Revelation and some of these prophecies about the future because some of these are hard to understand. So these words from Peter... Give me encouragement. But Peter doesn't end there. And I know that we are getting to Revelation 4, but I want us to understand some some ideas here. Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 17, he says, therefore, dear friends, because of all this, because some of Paul's letters are hard to understand, because people look at the Scriptures and sometimes twist them to support their own ideas. He says, dear friends, since you have now been warned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless, and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter says, church, don't be driven astray by people preaching all kinds of ideas that might be a distortion of the Bible. He says, instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then Peter says, for good measure, to Jesus be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And so this is why, even though I've been preaching at Media Mennonite Church and Waterway Church for 18 and a half years, I've never preached much on Revelation. It scares me. not scared of the word of God. I'm, I'm frankly a little bit excited to see how this is going to happen. It scares me to speak about it with you because it's so easy to misunderstand it or maybe twist it, or for someone to hear me incorrectly and then get all twisted up about it. And then we go out and and we go in our community and we have all these ideas that, that begin to override and outshine the very simple, basic, clear stuff that we do know, that simply says, look, let's grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is very clear. That is very easy. Let's focus on what God's doing. Let's let's hear about what God is doing in the farthest reaches of Africa. Let's hear about what God is doing all the way over in Asia. Let's hear about what God is doing here in Oxford. Let's hear about that stuff. And that's where I've often put most of my focus. Let's focus on the things that are very clear and easy. And yet, the Spirit brings us here to Revelation in the fall of 2021. May the Lord bless us and keep us Protect our minds, our hearts, and our words. One more idea. We'll talk about some theories, but here's an overarching look about how I look at the book of Revelation. You know, it's 2,300 miles from here to Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, out in the desert. 2,300 miles. Melanie and Brie and I were in Arizona in 2017. We're in the northern part of Arizona, up at the Grand Canyon, along the border with Utah. There's some beautiful country out there. We loved it. It was some of the most beautiful places we had ever seen. And so this summer, on my sabbatical, we wanted to go back out to that general area, but we wanted to see more of the southern part of Arizona, some of the kind of the desert places where there's the big cactuses or cacti, you know, the the big cactuses. We wanted to see those. So we set out from home In the end of June, which, by the way, apparently is not the best time to go to Phoenix, Arizona. But we set out from home the end of June, and we were headed to Arizona. In 2017, we went through Chicago and Montana and Seattle and San Francisco on our way to Arizona. This year, we went through Charleston and New Orleans and Houston, and El Paso, to get to Arizona. And you know, there were a million roads we could have taken, but we didn't. All we knew was the destination. We're headed to Arizona, we're going out to Phoenix, and when we get there, we're gonna turn around and come back. Everything else was an adventure. Wake up in the morning, start driving south and west, see what we see, but we're gonna get to Arizona. We're gonna drive through Phoenix. Folks, that's how I'll be talking about the rest of Revelation. We will end up with a new heaven and a new earth. There will be a new Jerusalem coming out of the sky. This is Revelation 21 and 22. John says he saw this new heaven and new earth, the first heaven and earth which we're living through now, Passed away, there was no longer any sea. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This is going to happen. This is very clear, very easy to understand. But between here and Revelation 21, there is a lot of mystery. We may not know where we're going every morning when we arrive here together, but we're going to get to Revelation 21 and 22. This adventure that we're going to be on, there are some markers laid out. There are some good things to ponder. There are some things that will certainly take place. But I will not be insisting that too many of those ideas have to be understood in only one way or another. I'm not trying to duck anything or sidestep. I don't think this is intellectual laziness. I'm saying there are a lot of things that I haven't been able to figure out. So I just read it and wait. And I'm careful... Very careful because I know John's warning at the end of the book. Do you? You know what it says in Revelation 22? John says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. Revelation would have originally been written on a scroll. He said, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to it, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll and I want to have nothing to do with them. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. So I've just been talking to you for 15 minutes now, trying to articulate the care with which I am trying to preach about Revelation. I apologize it's taken me so long to get to Revelation, but this is not something that I just charge off into, even though I like to think of myself as a charge or offer. With this in mind, let's look at Revelation 4. Revelation 4, here's what John says. Jesus has been speaking to him, gave him a word for the churches. He wrote those down in Revelation 2 and 3, remember? Seven churches that all got got a welcome and a commendation and a warning and a blessing. John says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. John says, At once I was in the Spirit. He doesn't describe exactly what that means or how he got there or if he had to, like, pray a prayer. He just says, I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold in their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God." Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Here's John telling this story. He says, I was in the Spirit, and I saw in front of me this incredible throne. And we know that by reading, continuing on, this is the throne of God. And he says there's lightning, and there's thunder, and there's these 24 other thrones all around it. And these elders, they're dressed in white, and they've got crowns of gold on their heads. I mean, imagine, you're, you're picturing this now, Right? taking a few of these words and trying to, trying to picture this, but imagine you actually saw heaven and God said, okay, write down what you see. How many of you are great writers? Even if I told you right now, we're stopping this whole thing. We're hitting the pause button. Take out whatever paper you have and take out a pencil and write down what you see. Like, if you were to do that right now, if I were to say, Hans, Write down everything you see right now. You, you okay. Well, the walls are kind of beige, and this guy's in the front. And oh, there's instruments. And look, that there's a microphone, and the mic stand has guitar picks on it. I mean, how much would you be able to write about what you saw right now if you had the time and the patience to do so? And there's this person sitting beside me, and she looks like this, and this, and this, and this. And there's this guy sitting beside me, and he looks like that, and like that. And the other 200 people. Well, here's what they all look like. And, and you know, outside the skies. I, I mean. Just in a very common place like this, can you imagine trying to describe all of it? I mean, volumes, of, frankly, this, volumes and volumes could be written about just describing this room and the people in it right now. And we're pretty dull. I love you, and I think we love each other, but, you know, it's awesome to be before God, but let's be honest. This, this is, you know, you're sitting there listening to a guy talk not like world-breaking stuff, although God can use it in amazing ways. John has to look at the throne of God and try to describe that. And so far, he's used about four sentences. Leaves a lot of room for people to argue about it, doesn't it? But but what about, you didn't see that guy in the back row, John? And John's saying, look, I'm just trying to write this down. John's in the spirit, sees it all. Jasper, rubies, 24 thrones. Twenty-four elders, crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. These are these are echoes of Ezekiel. If any of you are Ezekiel scholars, you'll recognize these images. Four living creatures. Now in Ezekiel, they were four creatures that had like all of these characteristics, depending on which angle you looked at them, they had different heads. But here, John in Revelation, just says: look, the first living creature, it was like a lion. He didn't say it was a lion, he said it's like a lion. First living creature like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. Huh? Wow. It was covered with eyes all around. Huh? Wow. Even under its wings. Okay. You see, John is trying to give this picture. He's saying, I saw before me the throne room of heaven. And here's kind of what it looked like. It looked like some glass and jasmine rubies and all this kind of, and there's lightning and there's thunder. And can you imagine what it would have been like to see what John sees? And now he says, there are these four living creatures, like a lion and like an ox, like a man, and like a flying eagle. And I could give you three different sermons talking about what those things can symbolize. And if you'd like to read some more, just just go online and just write the four creatures of Revelation. You'll see all kinds of different commentary about what the lion might represent and and what the ox and the, the eagle and the man might represent. There's some really interesting stuff there. But here's what I want to get to today. What were they doing? These interesting creatures with all their wings and all their eyes and all their appearances. What were they doing? Day and night. See, it's easy to get fascinated on the little details, isn't it? And it's easy to, to then get worked up because, well, I think that the ox is this, but Galen thinks the ox is something else. <laughs> isn't he a dummy? Hey, it's, it, it makes sense when I say it that way, but how many of us think that way? We get caught up on the little stuff, but look at what they're doing. Let's focus on that. What is the point of these four creatures? Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. John doesn't describe those creatures anymore. He's talking about what they're doing because they're focused on God. He says in Revelation 4, 9, whenever the living creatures give glory honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders, remember, these all have thrones kind of around God's throne. The 24 elders fall down before God who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. Now we could get fascinated and say, well, 24, why are there 24 of them? And, and who are these elders? Are they, are they like kings of yore? Are these like representatives of some kind of tribe? Are they just representatives of the the tribes of the earth? Well, we could get fascinated about that, couldn't we? And that could be a fun study. But again, I'm trying to draw back to the stuff that is most crucial, the stuff that John seems to focus on, the stuff that is easy to understand. What do they do? The point of all this stuff that they're seeing, they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. So there's this whole description of the throne room of heaven and thunder and lightning. It's kind of like when, when some other characters, we know that Moses encountered God, we know Elijah encountered God, other characters encounter God, there's, there's lightning and there's thunder. Sometimes there's a still small and we can get excited by those phenomena, but what's the point? God keeps calling people back to himself. God keeps showing his love and saying, I have a plan. I'm working at something. And I think here in Revelation 4, we can see the same kind of thing. There's an amazing scene here, but what is the bottom line of it? John is not just writing all this so that we'll get fascinated about, well, what does it look like? He says, what are they doing? They are calling out, Lord, you are God Almighty and you have a plan and you have the power to see it through. By your will, all things are created and you are the God of the past and the present and the future. And even as we study particulars and maybe argue about them in our small groups, it's healthy to do that. It's good to do that. Dream this week in your small group meetings about, well, what about these four creatures? Do a little bit of a study on the lion and the ox and the face of a man and the flying eagle. Study that stuff and talk about it. Dream about it. But don't ever get distracted from the main point that says our Lord God Almighty is holy, holy, holy. And we're going to see as Revelation continues on over the next couple of weeks that that holy God who created us keeps calling humanity back. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. God says, just turn to me and love me and I will heal you, I will restore you, I will save you, and you can be mine forevermore. We're gonna see time after time in Revelation, even in these end times where people have the chance to turn. But John says they didn't turn because they were stubborn and they didn't want God. And yet the love of God keeps pursuing, keeps pursuing this holy God, this righteous God, this one who's on the throne. And John's just saying, it's kind of like thunder and lightning. So much good stuff in here that we're gonna keep reading about. But for today, that's enough. For today, that's enough. Here's what I hope you take home. Two things. Number one, John is telling us about an amazing God because we know what John wrote before this, we're going to see what John wrote. He's telling us about the amazing God who, number two, sent his son Jesus so that none of us have to face the wrath of God, but can instead we can instead know the glory of God. We can be related to, we can be children of this God who sits on this throne and all the elders, they bow down to him, they give their crowns to him, they say, the power is yours, Lord. These creatures, these fantastic creatures, with their eyes and their wings and their different looks, they say, holy, 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 the earth is yours, Lord. God sent his son so that you and I can have a relationship with him. So that no matter what happens on this earth, no matter what happens here in this room that we might describe from the things that we see, no matter what goes on here, no matter what you've done and no matter where you've been, God sent his son so that when we turn to him, you can be forgiven. Just as I've been forgiven. And just as all the other sinners in this room have been forgiven, you can be too. Don't forget that. In the midst of all the fantastic, don't forget that. In the midst of your debates, don't ever forget that. There are churches in our neighborhoods where our grandparents worshipped, that divided and would not worship together on Sunday mornings because of their perspectives about the details of the book of Revelation. We will not go there. Because even as we get interested, and even as we argue, we will remember the core that God sent his son. He loved him so much. Loved us enough to send his son Jesus to give us an opportunity to come back to him. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. We have one more song that we're going to sing here as we wrap up this morning. I'm going to invite you during this song, I'm going to be standing up here in front and just kind of singing along. Um, If you're sitting there today, and if you're wondering about this Jesus maybe there's something stirring up inside of you today saying, I need to get straightened out with Jesus. I, I want to I know God. I want to give my life to God. Maybe, maybe there's something stirring in you right now. If that's the case, while everybody else is saying, just come down here and talk to me, and I want to talk with you, and I want to pray with you. Because I don't want you to leave this place today and miss the fact that the God of the universe loves you enough, loves all of humanity enough, that he sent his son Jesus Christ so that we could have a relationship with him and leave behind all the stuff that's holding us back. So during the song here, come and talk to me. Come and talk to me if we need to pray or if it's, if it's not your style to come and do that during the song, I'm here today. Pastor Steve, after the service is over, he'll be done with Children's Church. He'd love to talk to you as well. Don't leave here without knowing Jesus. Okay? Worship team, will you lead us in another song of worship? Same thing. Going out, seven o'clock on Wednesday night. Those of you who are in small groups, continue to invest in those small groups. Talk about these same things. Pray together. Think together. Remember that God has power to deliver you from anything you might be facing. And for all of you who are in the room right now, there is an invitation in that last song that we sang. Maybe it didn't sound like it. It an invitation. of us proclaiming that, that we're just going to run into you, but there is an opportunity for you to do the same. Jesus is not just for me. He's not just for these guys, because while they're great at leading us in in songs, he's not just for the people who are teaching Sunday school or those of you who have life figured out just right. Jesus has an invitation for you. No matter how broken, no matter how messed up your past, no matter how discouraging your future might seem to be, Jesus Jesus has an invitation for you. He just says, come to me. Lay all that stuff down. Give your life to the Lord and never be the same. I just wanted to invite you to run to Jesus. I'd like talking about it. Talk to him. I like to talk to Pastor Steve. He's somewhere. Find him and talk to him. And if that's what we doing today, find somebody in your row. It looks like they're smiling because they've got the joy of Jesus Christ. And ask them about the Jesus they know. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for walking through this together. Thank you for supporting the King family and our May Thank you for your ongoing prayers for global disciples. Galen and Magali will be out in the lobby and they can talk to you more if you'd like. Thank you for singing together about the love of Jesus. May God bless you and keep you. May He watch over you and make His face shine upon you. May God give you strength for all that you face so you don't have to be afraid. You can remember that one day, one day there will be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. There will be no mourning, no tears, and no pain. That's our future. Between now and then as an adventure, may God give you strength for the adventure. Amen. Amen. Amen.